Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome you in to another edition of Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can get me on my gambling Twitter account at Undercover Greg. Joined as always by Showtime himself, Matt Siegel at Showtime Cappers on Twitter. It's the Tuesday edition of Full Slate, which begins today on October the 1st and is going to take you all through the winter sports as well as we got the baseball playoffs getting started. The National Hockey League season sees the puck drop tomorrow night. And, of course, there's plenty more of the NFL to discuss. We will have a look ahead to Thursday night's Week 5 opener between the Seattle Seahawks and the L.A. Rams. All of that to come, as I said, a regular now on Tuesdays. We will have you mostly to look at some of the other sports with some games to be bet on during the week NBA starting in a couple weeks as well. Matt, always good to be with you. And hey, there's money to be made on all the sports. So I'm looking forward to getting into some of the other ones with you as well. Greg, what's up, man? You know, let me tell you, I'm going to start it right off. It was a rough weekend for me on Sunday, Saturday and Sunday. I don't know about you, Greg. I'm feeling it. But hey, just like you said, it's a new week and we are starting fresh. We have more sports. And let me tell you, 
An MLB ticket cashes the same way as an NFL ticket does. You walk up to the counter, they scan it, and they hand you back the same green paper. So it might not be as exciting. You might not love it as much. But, hey, they all count for the same, and it's October. And October baseball is exciting. Every pitch matters. That's a perfect segue. It wasn't as bad of a weekend for me. I didn't do great either. But uh, looking forward to just having some more options on the board. Not that the regular season baseball was never, you know, it was always there. But now, obviously, as you said, every pitch matters. Every inning matters. Every move matters. It's a whole different animal. Playoff baseball is a whole different animal. Absolutely. And so let's get right into it. We have these two wild card games, one of which is tonight in the nation's capital, the the Milwaukee Brewers traveling east to take on the Washington Nationals. And then on Wednesday night, it is the Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland Athletics in the Bay Area in the American League wildcard game. But let's start in the National League with tonight's game. The winner of this game will head to Chavez Ravine to take on the Los Angeles Dodgers in the National League Division Series. Brandon Woodruff will start the game for the Milwaukee Brewers. Not really sure how long he'll go. Milwaukee has been uh, a team that uses that opener a lot, and Woodruff has not pitched many innings this year. He had a pretty bad injury. Uh, and, of course, so we've seen Milwaukee and Craig Council really enjoy bullpenning games and finding different ways to get 27 outs. Going to be a much more traditional way for Washington as they send their horse Max Scherzer to the mound. Matt, I think anytime you look at these two teams, I think we've seen the Milwaukee Brewers be a very new schoolish type team, and it got them all the way to game seven of the National League Championship Series. And then you have the Nationals, who are a little more old school, but hey, it works just as well when you got the horses they have atop their rotation. What, what are the big things you're looking at here? So, Greg, you know, let me get this started off by saying this Max Scherzer is. A horse, like you said. So him on the mound at home, you know, obviously I'm stating the obvious, uh, but it just draws your attention right away, right? It's like you don't want to bet against Max Scherzer in a one-game playoff at home. You know, that's just it. It, it, it just it just doesn't sit well thinking sure. about it. You, you know what I'm saying? But that doesn't mean that you automatically have to bet on the Nationals, right? Right. But and, let, and let's def- give the Brewers credit in all of September. They pretty much didn't have Christian Yelich the whole time, and they still had to go out. They Granted, they had an easy schedule, but they had a really good final month of the season to get to this game. Exactly. Now, you just hit the nail on the head, right? So, in my opinion, right, I think not having a Yelich in the lineup means a hell of a lot more in a one-game oh, playoff sure. rather than a month span. You know, you, you can be a good team and still float above or win – and make the playoffs without a Yelich in your lineup. But in a one game, when you got a guy up at the plate that at any time can go yard, any time bring an RBI, any time spark your team, not to mention a gold glover, you know, that's a big loss, specifically in a one-game playoff. Just some things to note down. The Washington Nationals are 9-1 and one in their last 10. The, the Milwaukee Brewers are 7-3 and three in their last 10. But, Greg, the difference is the, the Nationals are coming into this game on an eight-game winning streak. Meanwhile, the Brewers are coming into uh, to this game on a three-game losing streak. Now, we know the teams have, you know, they, they've had the playoffs. So, what does that mean? Do, do the other games after they clinch their playoffs not really matter? You know, I think they do. Well, I really like it. Because well, they were trying to chase down the Cardinals in the Central. 
Exactly. So, you know, they're playing in this game because they weren't able to chase down the Cardinals in the Central. Otherwise, we already know they would be playing against the Atlanta Braves and they wouldn't be in a one-game situation. Let me tell you the most interesting fact on the Milwaukee Brewers. Out of every team that finished this year over 500, including the teams that made and didn't make the playoffs, they had the smallest run differential of any team over the record 500 and only plus three runs, Greg. They were a roller coaster of a team for sure. So, exactly. So, the Chicago Cubs, who were five games out of their playoff spot, you know, they were plus 97. Even the New York Mets, who finished three games out, they were plus 54. You know, out of every single team, and plus 54 was the lowest out of every team that finished above 500. So, they were 51 run differential different than the Mets, who didn't make the playoffs. You know, I, I'm not saying that's the end of the world, but in a game with a total of seven and a half runs, Mm-hmm. So an implied not many runs with a horse like Max Scherzer on the mound. Can the Milwaukee Brewers, manu- without their best player, can they manufacture enough runs to win this game? I, I don't. I-, I just don't know. They 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 you know they only scored seven hundred and sixty sixty nine runs uh, this season. Yeah, that was that was uh, right right above the cards for for two more runs scored, but their differential is just is just really low. Now, the thing I like about the about the Brewers, which I think their edge clearly is in this game, is their bullpen. Sure. I mean, I think there's and a clear edge on the you bullpen. You have to anticipate them dipping into that bullpen pretty early, and they're just yes, going to try course. and school bullpen it, which probably is their best path to victory if they can get to the sixth, seventh inning in a one-run game and, and hopefully run Scherzer's pitch count up. I would think that would be their game plan, telling their hitters, you know, let's yeah. be patient and try and get him to 100 pitches by the fifth or sixth inning. Of course, and, you'll, you know, you flip the script, right? I think the Nationals clearly want to avoid the bullpen as, as much as they can. If they can have Scherzer go out there and go eight, nine innings, eight innings, nine innings and win this thing, that's clearly their ideal situation. So I'm going to give the edge to the Nationals here. I just like them coming in on an eight-game winning streak versus a, a three-game losing streak. You know, clearly we know the Nationals um, are better at home. They're, they hold a 50-31 and 31 record at home this year. Meanwhile, the Milwaukee Brewers uh, finished with a losing record on the road at 40-41. and 41. Actually, the only team that made the playoffs with a losing record on the road. So, you know, that really doesn't hurt. And again, they're missing they're missing their best player. I know they've missed it for the past month, but I just think in a one-game playoff, it means a, a lot more. I think the Nationals are hungry. I think the Nationals get it done here. I'm not going to be backing the Nationals at the price of minus sure. 180, though. Exactly. I and it's be, important to note it, the difference. Yeah, it's important to note the difference. It's a tough price to back. You know, I know books out there offer the minus one. So if you can snag a minus one, I think that's a solid play. And probably, if, you can, and if we ballpark to the minus one, somewhere in the minus 130 territory. Yeah, I, I, think that's a, I think that's a fine price to play because obviously sure. a win by one is a push. And I, I'm not upset about a push. A win uh, by more than one is a win, obviously. And, and uh, a loss, you know, is a loss. But, you, but you're saving the money on the juice. But I think that would be the route that I would go. Um, definitely stay with me and check on the Twitter later for an official play. I also like potentially the run line, the minus half in the first half, like we talked about with Scherzer on the mound and a lot of pressure in the opener of, of, uh, Woodruff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm seeing minus minus one thirty-five for a minus one line. Uh, and, and that's available on, on DraftKings. Um, and, and a minus half for the first half. Nationals is uh, minus 120. So those are both prices that I feel comfortable with playing. I also 
uh, like a play that we're going to consensus on um, that I'll let you get into. But yes, I'm picking the Nationals to win this game and move on. No official play yet. Check out the Twitter for the official play tonight. Yeah, no, I, I agree with a lot of things you said. The Nationals would be the side for me as well here, uh, but obviously a steep price to pay. And one of the things that I think is a very exploitable area when it comes to a star pitcher, uh, you can always look to the unders, especially in the first five when you have a bullpen like the Nationals, who we don't really trust. And that's actually my play on this game. I'm going to go under in the first five, under four. I got it in earlier at the standard juice of minus 110. And basically, here's what I'm seeing. I think that you're going to see Scherzer come out. And I'm not sure Milwaukee's going to score at all on him. And so if that's the case, then I'm willing to roll the dice that the Nationals average less than a run an inning in the first five, which obviously at four being the total, then the worst I could do there is a push, if I'm correct, in expecting that they won't average that one run per inning. As I mentioned, the Brewers are that new schooly bullpen-ish, just find ways to get outs type team. And it got them all the way to game seven of the National League Championship Series last year. I like Craig Council as a manager. So I'm willing to bet that he can keep this game low scoring, hit the right buttons with his bullpen, and at least give them a chance. Not saying they will win, but I think this lends itself towards a play on the under in the first five. Yeah, now what are you, what are, Greg, just to clarify, what number are you playing that at? Uh, I took under four in the first five, uh, willing to push on the four, rather not pay the extra juice. So I paid uh, minus dollar ten, first five under four. Okay, now, okay, so you're not paying the extra juice on the four and a half, but what, you know, what if that dips to three and a half, maybe at a plus odds? Are you playing that at a three and a half as well? Important to recognize that. Yeah, I got in today. Uh, as we record on a Monday night, I got in at uh, my under four. If this does go to three and a half, then I would pay the juice to get back to four or I would pass. Okay. Yeah. I, I just wanted to clarify because I, I like it at um under, under four. Like you said, I like it for that even price. I like a little, I would pay the extra price for four and a half. Um, it, it's, it's tough to play the three and a half uh, for me with four being a loss there because, you know, right. we, we really, um, I've seen Woodruff. He's, he's been good this year as the opener role, but, in a one-game playoff on the road, you know, the wheels could fall off real quick, well, well, in right. my opinion. When you I don't see the wheels. You don't want to take that where it's like you can lose in one bad inning. That just feels bad. I agree. Um, I'm just – I'm not so sure, though, if he shuts him down. But I have faith in Max Scherzer to come out uh, at home and put on for his team and win this game and go at least – seven or eight innings strong like they need him to do you know maybe with a solo home run here or there but i don't expect much much base runners for the for the brewers and i expect this to be a, a quick game for the nationals I really so we do. both like the under in the first five i am in at four uh at minus 110 uh and matt uh, obviously has consensus that with me so let's move on it does, does actually before we move on to this game does, does scherzer's playoff uh, history scare you in this game? You know, that's probably another thing that makes me just stay off the Nationals aside from. Because I just want to bring up, he's he is three and ten. Uh, his teams are three and ten as a starter for him in the playoffs. And the Nationals this year, at least early on. Now, obviously, they started very slow, but they were not winning a lot of his starts. Now, uh, yeah, so not, he's not three and ten. By the way, I'm saying in games he started, the team is three and ten. Just to clarify that. Right. Yeah. So. And the Nationals just collectively as a team, 
have just had a lot of struggles in the postseason. So, and they have a lot of the same players. Uh, obviously, one notable, pretty notable guy, Juan Soto, making his playoff debut tonight for the Nets. Looking forward to seeing what he can do. But yeah, I, it's enough of a red flag for me to veer away because you never know. Like these guys, as much as good as Max Scherzer is, future Hall of Famer, he is human, and you know, you never know. Maybe he doesn't have his best stuff. Uh, and, and at that price, I would much rather, as I said, just go under at, at standard juice than, than think about the Nationals. You know, just to you know, stay on this game for one minute, wouldn't you say that the under is, is correlated with the Nationals winning, though? Not necessarily. No, I, I don't think so. Uh, because, as I said, I think that Milwaukee, and I like their manager council, I think that they have a chance here to just kind of piece things together. They're, they're really good at that. And so I, I, I think that there's a chance this game is like 1-1 after six or something or, or yeah. you know, one nothing. No, I, I, Greg, look, I think Scherzer is going to come out and do well. But the main reason I'm not paying the price of minus 180 to take them on the money line is very simple, Greg. In five starts in September, Scherzer held a 5.16 ERA, you know, and he was 2-2 two and two in decision. So he didn't have that crazy of a month of September but obviously, we know what Max Scherzer is capable of, and we know the year he had prior to September. But at the end, I also like the Nationals' bats a little more, um, which is why I'm, you know, I'm not in love with the under. If I were to go something here, it, it would uh, lean Nationals. But at the end of the day, you know, I gotta, I gotta. Um, admit oh, so you're that. not gonna go? I, I was under the impression that you liked the under with me. Uh, at least in first five. No, 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 no. I, I, I like, I like the under first five because I like the Nationals. But what I'm trying to say is, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it's correlated with the Nationals and the under, or the Brewers and the over. Is, is what I'm saying. Oh, so I'm saying, saying if this game, if this game does trend towards the over, and we see a September version of Max Scherzer, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nationals end up losing this game. However, I think we're going to see a locked in Cy Young candidate, Max Scherzer. Go out and win. However, definitely won't be over overly backing the Nationals against the Dodgers um, if they do pull out this game. That's for sure. And we'll certainly give a quick sneak peek. Obviously, hypothetical. They got to win this game first. We'll get to more of that later. Let's go to the AL, though, where we have a couple of forward-thinking franchises in the AL wildcard game on Wednesday night in the Bay Area. And it's Charlie Morton leading the Tampa Bay Rays on the mound into Oakland to take on the A's, who have not announced their starter so, Matt, I guess right off the bat, that makes it a little difficult to kind of preview this game. But, hey, Charlie Morton really had a great year for the Rays. So if we're looking to back a dog, I would certainly think the Rays are more likely to be live than Milwaukee in these two wildcard games. Yeah, no, no, I agree for sure. I think the Rays are more of a live dog, and it's not even close. We spoke about the the, the Brewers and, and their struggles on the road. Uh, it's actually quite the opposite for the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, they are 48 and 33 on the road. That's which, actually which the same. interesting because they don't really have much of a home field, obviously, at the Trop. So I yeah, feel so like that's the same record. They actually were for them to play on the road. Yeah, I mean, so they're actually 48 and 33 at home and on the road. Right. So that's the second most road wins uh, in the MLB season, only behind the Minnesota Twins, who finished 55 and 26. So this Tampa Bay Rays team is uh, the second best winning team on the road. Now, with that being said, you know, the Oakland A's are one of the better home teams. Uh, They're 52 and 29 at home. They also have a run differential, you know, 50 runs greater than the Rays. 
Uh, both these teams come into the game similar scenarios. The Rays seven and three in their last ten. Oakland six and four in their last ten. Oakland on a one game losing streak. The Rays one on a two game losing streak. Not much I there. I would add here. Both of these teams in the top seven in bullpen ERA this year. Tampa Bay number one in baseball in bullpen ERA at three seven one. Oakland number seven at three eight nine. Obviously, I mentioned these are two forward-thinking teams, so I would not be surprised if, uh, you know, that came into play and we saw, you know, a really close game here. So Yeah, uh, I was about – that's literally – you know, you're leading right into my play, Greg. Obviously, I want to make sure who the starter is going to be for the A's. So we'll check this on Wednesday. Obviously, stay on my Twitter close to the game because, you know, this game's not taking place till 8.09 first pitch Wednesday night. But I think this is a classic – classic baseball game a lot of roster adjustments you know a lot of pitching changes and pinch hitters here and there and i think you know i wouldn't be surprised if one two or three runs gets a win in this game and you know could could be something ugly maybe like a solo shot 1-0 victory uh i like the under first half and full game here for sure as an early lean yeah no i i i would lean that way as well uh, as i said charlie morton really one of the more underrated pitchers in baseball i think just the way his career has kind of arced uh, and with where he's at now, 35 years old to have the year he, he had 305 earned run average, 1.084 whip, a total of 240 strikeouts, a five war season. Uh, I think this is a good move by Kevin Cash to select Charlie Morton as their starting pitcher in this game. So uh, I would lean to the under as well, but I have not played anything here and I'm not sure yet where I'm going. Uh, final thoughts. Or are we ready to move on to the two series we know about? I think Morin's a good spot here for the Rays. Like I said, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I wouldn't be surprised if a couple a couple runs gets this done. Although, um, with the A's ability to hit home runs um, at home, it's, it's definitely an intriguing matchup, which is why I can't really pick a side, which is why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the under. Let's go to, uh, well, I guess let's stay in the American League. I think this is a very intriguing American League division series, which won't start until Friday, but we've known about it now for a little bit. And that is the Oak. Or I'm sorry, the New York Yankees hosting the Minnesota Twins. Obviously, these teams have met quite a bit the last 20 years in the postseason, and uh, the Yankees have gotten the better of the Twins. Uh, not that that means a whole lot now. This is a, a Twins team that just won the American League Central for the first time since 2010. Yankees, ironically enough, won the uh, American League East for the first time uh, since 2012. That it's kind of weird to think about, but as we look at this series, Matt, uh, I actually I'm, this is these are the two teams that were battling back and forth for the single season home run record this year, uh, and you know it ended up going to the Twins. And when I look at this series, I, I I actually think these two teams really mirror each other in terms of how they're constructed. Obviously, they're going to want to score a lot of runs, and neither one of these teams I think really has a lot of starting pitching that you feel great about. And while the Yankees have the names in the bullpen, the Twins bullpen really did a great job the last couple months of the season. Uh, They were, I believe, number one in bullpen ERA from August 1st on. So I think this series is going to be very fascinating. If I had to pick one of the series that's most likely to get to a fifth game, it would be this one. Yeah, Craig, I really do agree with you. I think this is a little closer than people think, right? You know, don't bet the cities. Don't bet Minnesota versus New York. You know, look at the Minnesota Twins versus the New York Yankees. So that's just something to keep an eye out for. Obviously, we know the historic 
name that the New York Yankees carries and, and the recent success in the past 10, 15, 20 years against the Twins, specifically in the playoffs. But again, this is definitely a different Twins team than we've seen in the past. You know, a lot of people thought that they weren't really for real. I know I was big on them to start the season and they just like kept chugging along. You know, everyone expected them to slow down or lose the division to the Indians or right. not get the wild card. And they just didn't. They just and, and, and it's interesting finally winning. Now this is house money for the Twins, right? I mean, all the pressure is on the Yankees here. Oh, the pressure is all on the Yankees. And a little tidbit, you know, because obviously in baseball, you know, home and away matters a lot, in my opinion, specifically, you know, with the dimensions of the field, specifically designed better for certain hitters, uh, along with yeah. obviously batting seconds. And we talked and, about all know, the hitters in this series. <laughs> and we talked about all the hitters in this series. But interesting enough, you know who the Tampa Bay Rays were second to on the most road wins this season? I think I actually mentioned, mentioned earlier. Minnesota. Yeah, the Minnesota Twins finished with a 55-26 and 26 record on the road. That's wild. They're the only team to get 50 wins on the road this year. Um, a way better record than they had at home at 46-35. and 35. But on the other end of the spectrum, you got the Yankees, one of the best home teams in the MLB, third best. 57 and 24 this year. We clearly know how their ballpark is set up for their lineup, and their lineup has been dangerous. We have a really intriguing matchup. The one thing is, you can look at the Yankees have struggled a little bit coming into the playoffs, four and six in the last 10, while Minnesota was in a closer race. Obviously, sure. the Yankees had yeah. the division locked up, and Minnesota, you know, kept having to chug along eight and two to win the division. But, you know, the Yankees uh, were right there with the Astros for the best record in the AL, and they actually, you know, weren't able to get that with the Astros finishing in two. I'm going to have to give the edge here in the series to the Bronx Bombers. I'm going to have to, you know, I just think ultimately they have a little more experience. They have some more veteran presence, and it just, it's tough for me to bet against the Yankees with home field because like we said, we I agree. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes down to five. And so if I'm betting a free series and it's come down to five, I like the Yankees at home in that in that fifth game. Yeah, and I don't necessarily disagree. Like, if you stuck a gun in my head and said pick a winner here, it would be hard for me to actually get to the window with the Twins on the series price. However, I do think because of the, some of the factors that we mentioned, that the Twins are going to come in here undervalued and that there is going to be some interesting value on them if you can pick the right money lines to get the Twins because they're not going to roll over here. So I, I think they're going to win at well, least. Well, Greg, especially on the road, right? So, you know, they got 55 wins on the road. So maybe a, a not-so-bad approach here would be do you play the Twins on the road for the first two games? You know, if you go one and one there – you're you hitting at plus profit. money, and, and you profit. You turn a profit. So it's all about turning a profit and hitting the spots you see fit big. But if you can turn a profit by going one and one by betting the Twins uh, both road games, it's not a bad play. Because, you know, of course, if you do that and the Twins are to win game one, then you could just, you know, sit on the sideline in game two and you'd already have, you know, a plus winner. Yeah, yeah, of course. So obviously, that's intriguing uh, in itself. Is is uh, you know the Yankees as of right now are are sitting at minus one eighty five. So you're going to get pretty nice odds on the Twins, and the the Yankees pitching doesn't scare me. So uh, right. I'm going to be looking for a lot of runs in this series. I don't think we're going to see a lot of su the surprises. Yeah, I think there will be runs. What the totals are like? Yeah, the the over will be will be looked at by us for sure, and. 
in a game where I don't see pitching being that significant of a factor, give me the best road team in the MLB at plus money, you know, for for the first game or two. I mean, I'm not locking that in, Greg, but just talking it out with you, it just it just it just makes it just makes a little it just makes a little sense. You know, this isn't anything like a max play or anything, but if you're comfortable with backing the Twins, I don't see anything wrong with backing them game one with the mindset of backing them game two if they lose. Let's wrap things up back in the senior circuit with another series that we've known about now for, well, a day or two since the Cardinals clinched to the National League Central. The St. Louis Cardinals will open in Hotlanta to take on the Atlanta Braves, and uh, this series will get underway on Thursday. Ironically enough, the Cardinals, second most World Series titles of all time, obviously, behind the Yankees. But they have not been in the playoffs. This is their first time in the playoffs since 2015. So three years on the sideline for the Cardinals. Feels weird to talk about the Cardinals with a three-year playoff drought just because of how successful they've been. They obviously made the big trade for Paul Goldschmidt, and he had some playoff experience with Arizona. Uh, you know, and, and then here you have a group of young Braves that got a little taste last year, lost to the L.A. Dodgers in four. Maybe they're looking to make a little bit of noise this go around. Matt, what are you what are you looking at in this series? Greg, I, you know, I love the Cardinals as a team and an organization and their playoff experience in this in this series I think will show. I really do. They know what it takes to win. They know what it takes to be there. They had a very interesting season where at one point, you know, we didn't even know if they were going to make the playoffs. Right. You know, now they wind up edging out the Brewers and winning the division. And like you said, you know, I, I don't mean to keep bringing it up, but something that I like to look at, the Braves are coming into the series four and six, losing their last three games. You know, and they were, they the were not that much control in the National League East, having locked it up for a week. Of course. So, you know, the Cardinals have already kind of been in that playoff mode for the past week to two weeks even, you know, maybe even the past month. You know, the Cardinals have been playing hypothetical playoff baseball. I think we can agree there. Uh, Otherwise, these teams are very similar in my mind, very similar uh, records um, at home and away, similar pitching, you know, where they have guys who can come out and perform and then they have guys who can come out and get shelled. Both have lineups that can put up runs. I don't see many differences between these two teams. Kind of a slight, a minor difference because Atlanta went out and upgraded their bullpen. But St. Louis, uh, bullpen ERA, uh, about three-tenths of a run better at uh, 3.88 to Atlanta's 4.21. That had been a problem for Atlanta, and they went out and got Shane Green. I do think that for the Braves, if you like them here, uh, you're better off to look at them first five. Yeah, I, I think it's important to note that I think this is another series that if it went five, I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever. And I think a better way to play this series, rather than betting on the individual games, I feel like we're going to see some shockers here. Like, you know, I feel like we're going to see uh, uh, some road wins when we expect the home wins and vice versa. I, I think you pick the team who you think is going to win the series and you take them. No, I got, yeah, I mean, I, I can't make a play on this. It's a little, it's a little far out there for me. Uh, being the first game, I believe, you know, is uh, Thursday. So I'll or I'll take a look at that again and reevaluate. And again, I just think these teams are very close. It's even hard for me to pick a series winner. I would slightly side towards the Cardinals, but I, I, I'm not playing that. It's it's not worth a play to me. Um, and I, I don't even know the series price off the top of my hand, but I'm sure it's it's close to a, it's close to a pick. I, I would be shocked if it wasn't. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I don't. Right, have... We got the Braves at minus one fifty five. I mean, so it, with the home field, so, so they're going to get slight edge pretty much. Pass. Um, but yeah, I can't back the Braves for minus one fifty five, and at, at the Yankee series price, I see a minus one seventy five. I can't truthfully back that either, but I think a better approach would be um, to, like I said play the twins on the road uh, with the plus money, you know, or wait till the Yankees are, are down a game or two in the series and play them because we, we know the Yankees aren't going to, aren't going to get swept here and they're not going to go down without a fight. I think both of these series, um, by the way, I don't think a sweep happens in either of them. I think we see at least four games, if not five in both of them. And, and I'll agree with that. As we wrap up the division series looks, let's just quickly do some hypotheticals here. The Nationals, we're going to give the win to over the Brewers. And by the way, Greg, just to put it out there, you know, we're, we're actually right on point. They, they, have, they have the series price under four and a half on the Cardinals um, at, at minus 190 and the Twins under four and a half at minus 200. So they, the, the prices agree with us that these series are just as close as we think they are. And probably some series that you would think wouldn't be as close would be the Dodgers and Astros facing the winners of the wild card games quickly in the national league. I, I, I am intrigued, Matt. I'll quickly say if it is the nationals, those pitchers, cause it's not just Scherzer, they're going to throw Strasburg and Corbin the first two games. And then Scherzer will come back for game three in DC. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what those pitchers could do against the Dodgers bats. Not saying I would bet the nationals, but you know, in a short series, with those arms, they're always the Nationals would always have a chance. Yeah, I mean, Greg, I hate to take this angle, and I'm going to do it anyway, though. It's really hard for me to get in front of a team that has lost in the World Series in back-to-back yeah. years. It, right? Yeah. So the, the feeling of that, I'm not saying that it's going to make them play better. It's going to make them hit home runs. But they have a hunger. You know, you feed a man steak, and – he hasn't had steak in two years. He now wants to steak, you know, sure. whatever analogy I'm looking for. You understand what I'm saying? Not saying that they want the World Series more than the other teams. We all know they want the World Series. But it's just a difference when you lose not only once, Greg, but twice. They've now been there within fingers grasp of a trophy. And they haven't gotten it done. You know, I could use a cliche, third time's a charm. No, I don't think the Dodgers are all suddenly just going to win because it's their third time potentially win the World Series. Now, if they get there, however, we might have to reevaluate that. But with that being said, I think the Dodgers have proven for the past two years and this year that they are clearly the best team in the NL. I think their lineup up and down. I mean, who? Uh, there's not many teams. Uh, I mean, this year there is, I guess, but he, that can seriously have a home run hitter from their 1-8 spot. Well, an interesting note with the Dodgers always will be how's Kershaw going to pitch in the playoffs? Like sure. you know, I, and I think we're all pulling for him at this point—a pitcher of his right. caliber to have the the success the that, or the or the poor success, I should say, in the playoff that he has is honestly just—it's—it's it's kind of it's kind of upsetting, I think, for baseball fans everywhere, a fan of the Dodgers or not. You know, you just hate to see someone that great in in crucial times just not play wow. what we've seen, yeah, not perform how we've seen him perform. But it's an easy pick for me. I'm going to pick the Dodgers um, for against whoever they play, uh, Nationals and, and Brewers. Obviously, you know, at home with Kershaw and, and other likes uh, on the bump, I expect them to be huge favorites. So I don't know how much I'm going to be looking to play them per game on the money line, along with I expect them to be uh, decent-sized favorites on the series price. So I don't know much value there, but my pick will definitely be the Dodgers. You know, I, I've been playing Dodgers minus a half run in the first half often this year. We know how they come out. Uh, and can score runs in bunches. So I'll be looking to play that play for sure throughout the course of the series. But obviously, ultimately, we have to wait and see 
if they're playing the Nationals or the Brewers. And let's just talk about another team that uh, you talk about the World Series. The expectations are nothing short of that for the Houston Astros. They get the winner. Oh, of, it's World Series or bust uh, in Houston, Greg. Absolutely. And they get the winner. They open Friday at Minute Maid Park against either the Oakland A's or the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm going to just go with a similar kind of handicap in this series that you gave in the Dodgers and uh, whoever they play in that series. It's going to be hard to find a lot of value here. I mean, if you like the Astros, I'd probably just bet them to win the World Series uh, because you're going to obviously get a plus price yeah, there. Yeah, I'm in there with uh, plus, plus uh, the 350, I believe, before the season started, actually. I'm sitting on that okay. ticket. Right. And, you know, even now you could probably get them 2 Similar. to 1. Plus two fifty, something like that. Yeah, two play, plus plus two two to one. I'm seeing. You're going to be paying a premium on a game to game basis with Houston, but my gosh, Matt, look at this roster that they have. Unbelievable bullpen. They go out and add Zach Greinke at the trade deadline to pair him with Justin Verlander and uh, Garrett Cole. You know, and, and the two of them are neck and neck for the American League Cy Young Award. And then my gosh, this lineup from top to bottom, they just keep pumping out homegrown talent. Jordan Alvarez. He's going to run away with the American League Rookie of the Year. And we all know about Bregman. We all know about Springer. We all know about Altuve. They're kind of like the Dodgers on steroids, honestly, when you think about it. Like, they're just young, but they're just kind of better. Like, each guy that they have that's young, like the Dodgers, they're young guys. And and their homegrown talent, it's just the Astros are just kind of better. And then, obviously, we know the pitching is just kind of – better as well like it just it just really is I think the only knock you can say about the Astros is their bullpen and who knows if the bullpen's gonna matter when they can throw out three aces and and you don't have to see any other pitcher Greg like that's just such an important factor you're not gonna see another pitcher throughout this throughout the playoffs like you just won't you're right about the Astros in the past their bullpen has been the one chink in the armor but they went out and got Roberto Ozuna who's a really good reliever uh, yeah, you know, it's not bad. I'm saying if you want to find a hole, you can say oh, the bullpen, oh, sure. but it might not even yeah. be a factor. Right. No, no, absolutely. So, um, and uh, forget the fact, you know, about the pitching. They score 12 runs again. I mean, you know, who knows if the bullpen even matters when they score at the rates that they have. The, the, the ability they have to manufacture runs with playing small ball or hitting the long ball, I mean, they, they have it all. The Astros really have it all. And I'm going to put it out there. Um, I've been on record with the Astros quite a bit. I'm going to be pretty sh- – like, I'm normally not so confident, but I would be pretty shocked if anyone but the Astros won the World Series this year, Greg. I really think the Dodgers and the Yankees are good teams, but if the Astros don't win, I really would be shocked. I think they are that much better. Obviously, they have home field throughout the playoffs. We know they hold the best home record in the MLB, the only team winning 60 games at home, and they just flat out – have the best three-headed dragon pitching staff you can ask for with the combination of that lineup. You know, I, I think it's Astros for sure. Yeah, it's scary. I was just talking about the Nationals and that three-headed monster. And my gosh, it's not really even that close. You take Verlander, Cole, and, and Zach Greinke. I don't think it's and, – and, and Corbin, Strasburg, and Scherzer are really good. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of – like, I can't think of anything that would – veer me away from the Astros but from a gambling perspective we've talked about this it's why you want to wait and see you know because let's see how the Astros come out and 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 go from there you know maybe they do if they do drop a game in the division series then maybe they get a little cheaper in the LCS or you know things like that but certainly expecting the Astros to roll right through whether it's Oakland or Tampa Bay 
Yeah, I, I think we obviously um, put that out there. They should roll right through. Um, this could be one of the first first or only sweeps of the MLB playoffs um, is the Astros, whoever they play, because I don't think the Rays or the A's stand a competition, but um, I think the Astros definitely win. Let's take a break and come right back, and I'm going to quickly touch on a little bit. I have a play in the National Hockey League tomorrow night for uh, the opening games. Uh, so I'll get to that, and then we're going to talk to the National Football League opener in Week 5 with the Seattle Seahawks hosting the LA Rams. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The best part is that they are affordable. Almost all of their custom clothing is under $400 in America. The process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom. Or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE and you'll get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. Time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, whether it's Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now any business can access the same postage discounts that they are usually offered, usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, Full Slate listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use the offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Then enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Let's quickly run through a little bit on the ice and something, uh, of course, a National Football League Week 5 game in just two days now. The L.A. Rams traveling north to take on the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Matt, hockey season getting started, and obviously 
We're going to be talking hockey, talking NBA, talking college basketball on this Tuesday edition of Full Slate. Uh, we got four games on the ice on Wednesday, and I'm actually going to look to one. This is just kind of a system play for me uh, as the nationally televised game uh, is the Washington Capitals traveling west to take on the St. Louis Blues. And I can't help but play the Washington Capitals on the first period money line here. Uh, prices I don't think have been released yet, uh, but at least not for first period. But it's something I'm going to be on uh, just out of the principal hangover. St. Louis won their first ever Stanley Cup. Are they really going to come out and be ready to go right from the get-go? I'm inclined to think no. For the full game, Washington's at plus 119. So I'm going to guess that on the first period, we're going to see Washington at about even money in the first period. Uh, and it's something I will be on. Washington, on the flip side, really let its season slip away last year with a two games to none and three games to two lead in the first round over the Carolina Hurricanes and managed to lose in double overtime in game seven at home. So I think they're going to be really motivated to come out here. And as for St. Louis, I'm just not sure that their minds are going to be fully focused on playing a hockey game to start 2019-2020 with all the festivities that I'm sure will be taking place beforehand. So I'm going to be on the Washington Capitals in the first period money line for an opening night hockey play. Yeah, I mean, Greg, I'm not really going to be diving into the NHL um, just as quickly as you are. But I, I like your breakdown of the play there. I like the reasoning behind it. You know, we tend to see this not even just in the NHL, across all sports. We tend to see the championship hangovers carry in early into the year, and especially a team like the Capitals, the way their season ended, coming off of their World Series. I mean, not World Series, excuse me, Stanley Cup the year prior. Uh, looks like for them to turn their season, I mean, to start their season off on the right note. And, you know, what better way than to win uh, in St. Louis, who took the trophy right from them, saying, you know, you got a great way to do that is to start off with the first period. So I would actually not only look to be playing in the first period, I would actually be looking to play full game uh, Capitals money line. That might be something I come to look at tomorrow, close to the game. But otherwise, I'm just going to enjoy the puck drop. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see the Sharks and Knights kick off, you know, after their sure. playoff series from last year. And, you know, just get my feet wet in the NHL and just – let the season develop out from under us a little bit. It's always hard coming into the year. You know, you got to see how teams are are clicking and meshing off of roster changes and everything such like that. So I'm not going to be diving into the NHL as much as I dive into NBA and college basketball. But all throughout the NHL year, we'll definitely be discussing it. I'll be picking my spots uh, for sure. I don't know how much of NHL you'll be doing, but I'm more so picking spots uh, throughout the season in the NHL with primarily focus on NBA and the college basketball season. And then once the playoff times grow around, Greg, let me tell you, it's full force for the NHL for me. The NHL playoffs, I think, is uh, one of the best to bet on uh, in the sure. season. I really yep. like the approach that I take in the NHL by uh, picking spots throughout the year, sitting back, watching, evaluating. And once playoff to comes, it's a go time. And forget the betting aspect. I mean, I think we can both agree playoff hockey is just amazing to watch. The intensity is wild. Um, cannot be happier to have the puck dropping. As we mentioned last week, October is a great month. You, you got all four sports, you know, six if you're going to include the college ranks of basketball and, and football uh, all underway. And it's just, it's just a great time. You, you got you got everything across the board to be betting on. I can't wait. So there you have it. I will be on the Capitals in the first period on Wednesday night 
as the puck drops uh, in four different cities in North America, one of which, of course, the city of the defending Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. Let's wrap things up and go to the gridiron for Thursday night football. Week five, the Seattle Seahawks hosting the Los Angeles Rams right now. Seattle at one point, chalk at home, total of 49 in this game. Matt and I both like the same side here. I went ahead and laid the point with Seattle. Uh, I, I have a futures ticket on Seattle to win this division. And I think that the L.A. Rams talked about it in our preseason. I gave them out under 10 and a half wins. I think they're a little, not not a little, like I think it's becoming clearer after they really laid an egg against Tampa Bay that this is a bit of an overrated uh, L.A. Rams team that defensively. Now, Derek, I got I got to stop you right there. Is this an overrated Rams team or is this a team led by an overrated quarterback? I'd argue those two are correlated, although, yeah, no, I'm not a big golf guy. Uh, I think we've seen the last couple of years when Gurley, who I was concerned about coming into the year, uh, we've seen him kind of be that backbone that Goff can rely on and put them in good down and distances moving forward. And gosh, look at what happened to Goff in games last year against the Eagles and Patriots in the Super Bowl when he didn't, and, and even in some other spots when he didn't have Cooper Cup, it just felt like the whole offense kind of took a step back and he still had Robert Woods. He still had Brandon Cooks. I'm not a big golf guy, even though he wasn't the reason that they lost to Tampa Bay on Sunday. That was more because of their future defense. But my gosh, uh, you know, I mean, four turnovers doesn't really help the defense. Oh, for but- sure. No, no. Right. It was a combination of both. But just don't like this for the Rams. After laying an egg, they're going to go to a division rival on the road. And all I got to do is lay a point with Seattle. I I still think this is a good home field advantage, even though it's not the Legion of Boom anymore for the Hawks. And I have to think that they're going to come out fired up to prove that this is their division. I like Seattle minus the one. Yeah, I, Greg. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about this game in a few different ways. One, uh, I, I'm not gonna disagree with you saying that the Rams are not a good team, but I'm gonna say this falls a lot of Jared Goff, and we're learning a lot about Jared Goff right before our eyes. I mean, geez, could this contract of ascension not come at a worse time? Yeah, I mean, good point. Is he a franchise quarterback? Like, you can't win. Uh, you know, I understand they don't have that much of a of a quote unquote home edge, but who cares? You can't win a shootout. Uh, against Jameis Winston, you know, I, I mean, I understand Jameis Winston is no scrub and he has Mike Evans, but the tools that you have, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, Everett Higby at the tight ends position. I mean, even Brown out of the backfield, like with a coach like Sean McVay, it, Goff was bad, dude. I don't care that he threw 517 yards. He turned the ball over four times. That's, that's embarrassing. Three interceptions and a lost fumble. I mean, he threw the ball 68 times, so let's just establish we knew they were going to lose when he's throwing the ball that much. It was the second most in NFL history, by the way. So the 517 yards isn't even that impressive since Jameis Winston was averaging a whole two and a half yards per throw more than Jared Goff. What's going to happen when you get in another shootout? You know, their, their first three games, let's look at how they won. They limited the Browns to 13 points. Drew well, Brees then goes down. You mentioned their first three games. They played a Browns team that really did not play well at all, and Freddie Kitchens looked disastrous. You know, and not only did they not play well, let's forget that. They didn't play well, and they had multiple times to win the game in the right. fourth quarter. Exactly. Why? 
He just jerked off. Win. He didn't put the game away in the jerked off. Didn't put the game away in the fourth quarter. That's why unimp- he left the game open. Unimpressive win in Cleveland. Then go back before that. The Saints, who clearly look to looks like they're going to be okay without Breeze, but still, obviously can't game plan that, for him losing. Yeah, mid mid game. You, you know, for that in the middle of a game, like that was just a tough situation in that specific week two game for New Orleans. Uh, so they had that happen, and then week one against the Panthers, like. We've seen what happened with Cam Newton since. And all of a sudden, now Kyle Allen seems to be reigniting the Panthers a little bit. But that win doesn't look as, as, as good for the Rams. And then our most recent data point on Los Angeles is a 55-40 loss to the Tampa, Buc- Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who might be better than everyone thought. But let's not act like Greg. this was a playoff team that just went into L.A. and beat the Rams. Greg, Jared Goff threw four games. He has six touchdowns, six interceptions, and a QBR of 39.6. That ranks 26th among qualified starters. That's not a round one pick one stat line I want. Now, yeah, sure, the Rams are sitting— Hey, we're both Eagles fans. Looking back on it, certainly nice they didn't take Carson Wentz, number one, isn't it? That's for damn sure. I mean, mean, look, looking back on it, sure, the Rams are three and one. Are they in a position— to be in first place in the division after a Thursday win? Absolutely. But I just don't see it happening. Jared Goff just has not been good in what it's not even like, you know, he was bad in two games and good. He has not been good in either game in any game. Even the game against the Panthers, where they ended up edging out that 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 game, you know, Cam Newton looked pathetic. And Jared Goff didn't look much better. He only had 186 yards, one touchdown, and an interception. You know, they ran wild going for over 170 yards on that Panthers defense and was a weird game week one. But Jared Goff just has not looked good whatsoever. Against the Saints, sure, 283 yards and one touchdown, you know, another turnover. Like, hasn't impressed me whatsoever. He hasn't had – there's the past two games he's had more turnovers than, than, than touchdowns. You know, against the Browns, he had two interceptions and a fumble and only had two touchdowns. And last week, he had three interceptions and a fumble and only had two touchdowns. So, I just, I don't like Goff at all. I didn't like Goff coming into the season. And I think we're just watching it unravel in front of our eyes. I think this extension was is not looking like the best bang for their buck. And the Rams, I think, are in trouble. Now to flip the script, Greg, unless you got more to say about the bum well, Jared Goff just, is. Just lastly on the Rams, I, I agree that they're in trouble because not only do I think Seattle's going to win this game, one thing to also note regarding Seattle, pretty soon they're going to get Jaron Reed back, their defensive uh, defensive tackle, in uh, in the fold, and their front seven's only going to get better. And I do believe that San Francisco is legit enough to hang around in this division and I think can get a split of the regular season series against the Rams in their two games. So you're buying the Rams, you know, some might look at it as a buy low, but I look at it as they're just progressing a little bit this year. Now, now let's flip the script, right? Because there's two parts of this team, you know, not only do we, I mean, two parts of this game, not only do we hate Jared Goff, but why do we like the Seahawks? The Seahawks, you know, they've been an interesting team getting a one point win against the Bengals, then a two point win against the Steelers, you know, then they come home and they lose with Teddy Bridgewater making right. a season debut. They, you know, they, they lose by six there. Yesterday. And then obviously we know what happened yesterday uh, or the other Sunday, sorry, against the Arizona Cardinals. But I mean, come on, you know, the Cardinals are the Cardinals. We, we don't expect them to be anything good. Now you can say, well, the Seahawks have won two out of their three games that they won. 
you know, not so convincing. I can also flip the script and say, well, you know, they've had they've had the experience of close games and how to pull out close games. Because I think there there's there's both ways to look at it. Sure, you can say, you know, point differential is important, obviously, when you take a team like the Patriots, who are just blowing everyone out, right? You know, or you take a team like the Seahawks, who are barely winning their games. But at the same time, you can still learn and, and improve from just winning games. Because at the end of the day, it counts the same. And you still need that late-game experience. Sometimes it's not always the best to be the bully and, and, and blowing teams out. Because then when you get in that close-game scenario, you know, that's not something you've experienced. So Seattle has experienced that. Now, forget all that. Right, forget whatever you want to talk about about what you've seen this year because the NFL has been really up and down from week to week this this, this year. I think we can both agree there, right? I mean, oh, obviously sure. Browns had chances, but they looked pretty. We I think we can agree they looked pretty good at Cleveland when they played on prime time, you know. And then we see them come up and let the Tampa Bay Bucks score fifty five points, who the week before let up an eighteen point lead to Daniel Jones and, and company in his first NFL action. So clearly the, the Tampa Bay Bucks, you know, they shouldn't be putting up 55 points on anyone. I don't care that they have Mike Evans. They shouldn't be scoring 55 points on anyone, let alone any team in the NFL putting up 55 points, unless, you know, we got the Chiefs going against the Dolphins. Uh, and even then, still, they're going to call off the dogs. 55 points is is abysmal in, in the NFL. What can I say about that man, Russell Wilson, on primetime football? I mean, you know I love the trends. They're not the end-all, be-all. But my man, Russell Wilson, he holds a 7-1 and record on Thursday Night Football. That's an 88% win rate. On prime time, Greg, he is one of the most profitable quarterbacks of the, uh, of the last 10 years. He's 22-5-1 on prime time, 79%. So say what you want about Russell Wilson, but he's great on prime time. We know his uh, his record at home and how, like you said earlier, they're, they're you know, home – advantage in the NFL is definitely diminishing, but I think we can agree there are certain places where it still matters, and I think the oh, Seattle Seahawks, I think their stadium is definitely still one of them, Greg. That, that's I for mean, sure. Matt, like, don't, don't we think that this is going to be the shortest number you're going to, you can lay in terms of point spread or, or on the money line? Like, it's the shortest price, like, for Seattle at home all season? It has to be, right? Um, yeah, this is probably going to be one of the shortest. And I mean, obviously that's because, you know, realistically, even though we both don't think golf is that good, you know, the Rams still are what they are from last year and they still are three and one. So, uh, looking through the Seahawks schedule. Yeah. This looks like the toughest opponent they'll play at home. Um, I, I they'll play the Vikings. We know Kirk cousins, his struggles on the road. <laughs> they'll play the, the, they'll play the Ravens at home or that line can be pretty small for them. Otherwise though, Against the Niners, yeah, I think that this is probably um, the best competition they play at home, even against that Ravens team. It's probably Seahawks by a field goal. So uh, this is probably the closest we've seen, or that I can remember, to be get able to get the Seahawks at a pick 'em or a minus one at home, primetime football Thursday night. Russell Wilson against Jared Goff. Uh, I mean, sign me up, Greg. This is a three-unit max play for me. I'm looking to start off week five with a winner, bounce back from my abysmal week last week. And let me tell you, there's no better way for me to get back on track and have some confidence in Russell Wilson at home on primetime Thursday Night Football. And I am on the Seahawks as well. You sold me enough. Why not? I'll upgrade it to a max as well. That'll do it for us on Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Cody and Tyler are back tomorrow with their look ahead to NFL Week 5. 
Matt and I are back with our own version of picks and college football. And hopefully we're coming on Friday morning after a Seahawks W. There you go. (laughs) Exactly right. Everyone, enjoy the rest of your week. And please remember to play responsibly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.